Come on, Sean. Yeah, Shit, I mean... So hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Uh, it's been an exciting week, and we've got a lot of breaking news at the start of this to get straight into, so ding-dong, bitch is dead. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we've also got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, guys? How's all down in Cork? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm turning my uh, my guest appearance into a, into a, a run here. Um, <laughs> trying to... Uh, I'm celebrating the fact that we are not under another lockdown, which is good, but also worrying that the government is now ignoring medical advice. So, interesting few weeks ahead, I think, is the, is the, how I'm feeling about it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. Is it weird that I'm not all that surprised that they just didn't take the medical advice and... Uh, and just did a, a shortened version. They said, well, this time we'll just have the same restrictions as before, but we'll actually enforce them. But we also won't give the guards any extra powers to enforce them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it was it was strange to go straight to level five from we were thinking about level three. Sounds like Tony Hulan went in there and went, no more bullshit. Time to get back in control. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. yeah, it did. It did strike me as like either either it meant that they were mismanaging the levels beforehand or that they were just doing it to say if shit hits the fan well we, we tried yeah yeah maybe maybe that is that is something there's a on record now that they said they should do more mm. yeah and like leo leo going out on the tv and basically giving them a good kick it saying well they wouldn't double the dole if they went to level five so what the fuck did they know i like <laughs> You know, like, Leo, that's fair enough, but, like, it will be their colleagues, their doctors who will be facing the worst of if you're fucking wrong. So, you know, swings uh, and roundabouts and all that. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, this isn't an Irish politics podcast. As far no, as it's, not, it's not. We'll, we'll, we'll be launching that over the off-season. Uh, no, um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll fly, yeah I, I'm, I'm back up in Kerry now, not down with you guys, hence why we're back on the online for this. But, uh, yeah, we'll fly straight on into the news because a couple of interesting bits have happened, particularly Bill O'Brien, finally. It's only been, what? three years i've been saying this on the podcast or more uh bill o'brien has finally been fired initially they fired gm bill o'brien uh and the, or sorry first they fired head coach bill o'brien so they had gm bill o'brien tell him that he's been fired and then they turned <laughs> around and uh, i'm told G, uh, gm bill o'brien he was also fired after starting at one four romeo crinnell has been made the interim head coach i don't know if anyone remembers him i sure as shit do from his short stint as head coach of the kansas city chiefs very good defensive That's in the before times connor it's okay it's okay good <laughs> Defensive coordinator, not sure about. He's now going to be the oldest um, head coach ever in the league, I believe. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, six-year tenure uh, in New York for Bill O'Brien. He had an okay record, 52 and 48, but was essentially, as we would call it, the version of football purgatory. They would never really get anywhere, even if they made it to the playoffs. They were always a uh, also ran, never a real contender. Uh, he's been of, particularly of note in the most recent couple of years for uh, a number of 
very large uh, losses from, from from leads that he's had, but then also for a number of terrible GM decisions that he made. So uh, he decided to trade away a number of players and pick up a number of players that were a bit surprising. Some worked out better. I think the Tunsil trade they overpaid for, but they got what they wanted in the starting lineman to protect their quarterback. But then inexplicably decided to trade away uh, Nuke Hopkins for a second round pick and the corpse of David Johnson and uh, like a fifth round pick. Uh, they then decided to replace him by handing over that second round pick they picked up for, uh, I think it was Brandon Cooks. Uh, it's just, to be honest, we've said it multiple times. Head coach Bill O'Brien is okay, but not great. So you're just kind of stuck in purgatory. GM Bill O'Brien is driving your franchise into the ground the franchise it'll probably have a top five pick this year and they don't have their first or second round picks because both are owned by the miami dolphins they have no first round pick and i think second round pick next year as well and they're missing picks in the following year as well this is not a good franchise and i think they are all the better for getting rid of bill o'brien yeah, but obviously it's a bit late in the day to kind of make this decision. Obviously, starting 0-4 when you have one of the most promising young quarterbacks in the league in the Sean Watson just isn't acceptable. Like we've seen, like, you know, like teams with a quarterback as good as Watson should not lose all their games. Now, to be fair, they have played, you know, some of the best teams in the league in the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers. Uh, and that, But I think losing to the, the Vikings just, I think, just was the cherry on chop, especially like Watson is incredible and he is an incredibly good player, but you could see that he is having to carry so much load for a team that isn't very good at running the ball, whose defense outside of JJ Watt isn't really doing something. And this is a team, as you say, which is straight away its picks, which has one of the most expensive officers in the league and one which is quite old and is certainly aging as we go up here. So, you know, when you when you talk about a coach like this, when they've gone win now and you're 0-4 and you're not likely to make the playoffs, then I think, you know, the team as a whole might decide, well, the direction the team is going is wrong and we need someone to come in. And I think even though they have all those negatives against them, they do have the Sean Watson. So they have a decent chance that they might be able to tempt someone to come in here who's actually a relative, relatively talented and maybe can turn this thing around. Probably not this year, but but going forward. No, of course. Yeah, I, I think you've uh, hit Connor hit the nail on the head there with the he was an okay head coach, not particularly great. I never really turned the the talent that he had at his disposal into into a good run. But the the GM, I mean, just laying out the case there was was very clear for me that the Hopkins trade just never made any sense whatsoever. Uh, and now to hear that they basically made a mess of this season and have made a mess of their recruitment sounds like the next two or three years. I mean, it's it's quite a legacy to be leaving behind, even if you do leave with a with an over 500 um, coaching record. No, of course. I uh, like this is this is a prime spot where the only way they're going to be able to kind of turn this around is you're going to have to see names like JJ Watt traded in the off season to pick up some picks, even though he's older now and probably won't get what he would there's going to have to be a selling off of assets to try and get something to build around a core because as rona mentioned there's a couple of very expensive pieces here they're gonna have to start paying that extension that they gave to the quarterback as well like this is a team that i i like we said beforehand they were kind of going all in but they seem to have gotten worse like they're in free fall after this year so i'm not sure as, as attractive as being Watson's coach would be. I'm not sure that's the uh, that's the situation you want to be landing into. 
Yeah, and like I think the fact that they were looking at Earl Thomas is kind of a situation, like that's the kind of situation that they were in, and apparently the players vetoed that themselves, so there, there might be some, te- there might have been some tension within the locker room as well. We know that the Sean Watson, there was rumours that he didn't want to be there for the long term because of Bill O'Brien, and so yeah, it's just a situation where, uh, yeah, like maybe if you get the right coach in, you can turn this around, but yeah, it's going to be a hard work, especially for whoever they get into the GM. Yeah, I think their their main thing now is just going to probably be get an offensive-minded coach in. Like This would be a landing spot I could see, depending on what they do in the interim for the rest of the season. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is out of contract at the end of this year. I would expect him to get a head coaching job, and I imagine it will be places like here and the Jets that will be pitching for his services with their younger quarterbacks and their kind of want to set up an offensive-minded yeah. kind of scheme. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Uh in further COVID news, Pittsburgh of Tennessee was delayed to later in the season after more positive COVID tests after we spoke the last day. There's been 18 cases for Tennessee so far. Uh, their week five game uh, against Buffalo is currently up in the air. Uh, there was a couple of other players around the league tested positive. So New England quarterback Cam Newton tested positive. None of their other players tested positive. So the Kansas City New England game went ahead, although it moved to Monday Night Football. Uh, the Chiefs practice squad player Jordan Tama- Ta'amu tested positive as well um but no other chiefs players tested positive he had been playing the scout team uh being cam newton so he decided to go full method acting for this one and um, <laughs> captured covid to make sure he had the whole thing correct um yeah new orleans fullback michael burton uh, tested positive but it turned out to be a false positive so this is all kind of a this is the first time we've seen a proper shock kind of need to respond quickly to the league they seem to handle it fairly well although you can see how there could be issues with um you know basically the turnaround time for tests and retests and the lead-in into games that this is something that's going to need to be identified by tuesday if they're going to be able to to move schedules and get things sorted and it definitely looks to be a spot where now they got lucky i think with the bye weeks for the with the for the Pittsburgh Tennessee game that that's going to work out easily uh that's not going to happen in future games so they're going to have to probably start kicking in a few of these I believe the the refs have been complaining a bit about this our coaches as well that if this keeps happening they want to move to like a 12 game schedule or something uh, yeah, I think... it's all kind of it's all kind of getting a little bit messy at the moment I, I like at the moment I would be relatively happy with how they managed the outbreak this time round and like barring something major coming out of the end of it, I think it's been pretty successful. Yeah, like I, you can see how much resources they're willing to push into this. Like the number of times that the New England roster was tested between when the Cam Newton test came back positive and by the time they made it to Kansas City on Monday when they flew on on the same day, they were getting tested twice a day. But we also see the pro- the reason that has to happen and the problem with COVID-19 is, is that there is a period before you're symptomatic or before you uh, have the virus properly where it isn't showing up yet you could still be you know obviously have the disease and then spread at a later date so you do need to be incredibly vigilant to find it and obviously we're finding out in say the certain leaders of certain countries that want you know single off testing isn't sufficient to to keep you safe in real terms um so yeah like i think 
look, like the, the Tennessee game, yeah, they got lucky there. It'll be interesting to what they do. As you mentioned, the coaches are already talking about, especially when you know, had you had the Tennessee cases coming in thick and fast. You have Cam Newton. Suddenly, the rumors of a 12-week season, like the coaches talking about that came up. And yeah, like I think overall, the NFL is taking this very, very seriously. Um, some of uh, and they've decided to tighten up their protocols in response to that. So they've banned uh, like team gatherings outside, like uh, gatherings outside of the team, you know, scenario. Their additional video surveillance, there's limits on workouts and free agency limits. And of course, the the outside team gathering thing was motivated by the Raiders, who have probably been the least compliant team so far, because <laughs> um, they had a like Darren Waller, their tight end, had a fundraiser where a lot of their players, including Derek Carr, went to, and there was a uh, video evidence of them being rather lax with their mask usage um so that also follows the fact that you know john gruden wasn't wearing his mask properly and got fined they had an unauthorized locker room visitor after their monday night football victory against the saints so look vegas i know it's a city of gambling but you know i don't think there's something you want to gamble with and uh, if they don't want to end up like tennessee i i tell them they should probably want to fuck the fuck up like oh 100 100 percent. like it i mean i think yeah, I, I think there is, uh, I mean, I would be worried at this stage that Tennessee's situation, the moving the game was basically the only thing that they could do, but now it's left no flexibility in the schedule at all. If, if the Bills-Titans game goes, then you're starting to eat into the, 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 the backup weeks, and there's only for so long that the season can actually be stretched out for. So you're in a situation where you can't afford these, these levels um, of outbreaks, um, and especially if teams are continuing to not follow the rules. So from my perspective, you'd hope that this Tennessee situation is the learning um, curve that everybody realizes now how close they actually are to the season falling to bits. The 12-week idea, I just cannot get my head around how that would actually work. Maybe if you had done it at the start of the season with the scheduling, you could maybe make a 12-week season work. But with the 17-week season already mapped out, the teams having schedules that are based on very specific formulas, not like teams don't all play each other. They play on specific rotations through the years yeah. and such like. And you could maybe make a 13-game season if you cut all the interdivisional games down from each team playing each other twice to each team playing each other once. But apart from that, I actually can't see how you would work. And even with the 13-week season, the schedule has already been drawn. So you'd still be playing it over 17 weeks anyway. So I can't see the cutting of games at this stage actually working so this is very much the the last chance saloon to get this season um holding together because I, another big outbreak cause i think could be the beginning of the end um for this season no of course and we'll, we'll track that obviously as it comes along uh we had a couple of injuries to go through so uh serious one tight end oj howard ruptured his Achilles, so he's gone for the season and lashon mccoy is an ankle sprain so he's week to week dallas offensive tackle niall collins has had to go for hip surgery so he's gone for the season another blow to that offensive line and san francisco's defensive end ezekiel ansa has torn his bicep and he's gone for the season uh which is another knock on that uh on that defensive front rotation and cornerback koan williams has injured his knee and he's moved to temporary ir uh, i'm not sure if that's going to be a three-weeker or if it's going to be an eight-weeker but uh uh, at least he will be coming back. So those are the big kind of season enders. Which ones are standing out for you there? Yeah, well, I think for Tampa Bay, obviously they have you know good depth in the sense they have Brayton and Gronkowski, but OJ Howard was the only one who looked like a real receiving threat, especially in the red zone. So a bit of a concern there, like because they they were running Mike Evans pretty ragged this week. So maybe that's happening. <laughs> then he'll just have to maybe more jump balls apparently. And uh, like Leal Collins, like it's just a small thing, of course that 
you know, the running game for Dallas hasn't really done much. Now, the game script hasn't helped, but it hasn't done much up front. And that means that Dak Prescott, as we'll talk about, is having to do a lot of work for that Dallas team. And look, for San Francisco, like they've already lost their best defensive ends. Ziggy Anso was brought in as emergency cover. Now he's gone. You know, San Francisco's reputation as, a, as an elite defense, probably not going to hold up to the rest of the season just because they have so many injuries right now. No, of course. Um, the other smaller injuries are, I say smaller, just less, less, less uh, long term. Season ending, yeah. Yeah, less season ending. <laughs> <laughs> Jets quarterback Sam Darnold's an AC joint sprain, so he's week to week. Uh, running back for the Chargers, Eckler has a knee hamstring issue, so he's four to six weeks. Nick Chubb, Cleveland running back, has an MCL sprain, so he's six weeks. Julio Jones is a week to week with a hamstring. Uh, Sony Michelle, after a nice performance last week, has injured his quad and he's moved to a temporary IR, expected back in three to four weeks. No Fant, the Denver tight end, has an ankle sprain, so he's week to week. Expected not back this week. And Philadelphia offensive tackle Jason Peters has injured his toe. He's gone to temporary IR. I think the big one there is probably the Philadelphia. That's another blow to an already shaky offensive line. I think three of the players were playing out of position and hadn't had snaps before yeah. this season started. Now they've lost Peters. Um, like him and him and Chubb and probably Eckler are the three ones that are probably mm. the biggest in yeah. that. In my mind, Eckler, in terms of the, the loss for the team, Eckler is, is a big loss for the Chargers. Um, the rest of them, I mean, I mean, Chubb is, is obviously someone you don't want to lose, but they do have other um, players in that backfield um, who are yeah. decent. So, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, if, if I mean, if the Chargers are a team I don't really care about, so I don't particularly care about it, but in terms <laughs> of the, the loss to um, oh, the team. relevant. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the rookie Justin Herbert looks a little bit better. Yeah, like, he's not bad. He's not bad. Yeah, he's still, he's, he still makes mistakes, but he's fun to watch. They feel like a seven seed team right now, but like we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting my head around the seven seed. I was looking at playoff probabilities earlier, and there was like eight and eight teams who are or teams that are scheduled are likely to finish eight and eight, and looking at maybe over 50% chance of making the playoffs. And I just can't get my head around that. <laughs> you should be ten, 10 and 6. They should just cut everybody below 10 and 6 in my mind. No, that's, that's what yeah. the wild card writes. And just the mention of Sam Darnold, like uh, he's week to week. Obviously, he might just want to sit out until Adam Gase is fired. But if he is out, it's just more of uh, elite Joe Flacco back again. <laughs> also, I must say a pity after that was... Uh... Was it a 47-yard rushing touchdown that Darnold scored on the weekend that was just yeah. absolutely incredible? Uh, so I'd say just like if he's putting in that much effort and he goes, Man, why am I doing this when my coach is so bad? Uh, <laughs> in other news, Baltimore cornerback Marlon Humphrey, he's got a five-year extension, nearly $100 million on that. Uh, good player. They want to lock him up for the time. Like their defense has been playing rather well. I think they're the top scoring offense and a few or scoring defense and a few bits like that. So it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, like when they get these good, really good players, they they generally tend to pay them. Uh, it's usually those kind of like like they they're a team that probably has tended towards its its, its defensive end, its pass rushers. Like we can replace these guys, but their cornerbacks they've they've been willing to invest money in them. Like they they're paying Marcus Peters a, a decent contract given his you know uh, his uh, off the field and on field issues, uh, and now they're paying off Martin Humphrey, who is. Equally good, if not better, and much more consistent as well. So, yeah, sign up your good guy and keep him going for the next uh, four years, five years. No, of course. And we've got, obviously, in, in other news, crime and punishment. Uh, this is just, this is this turned into such a more interesting story than I was expecting it. So, uh, LA Rams cornerback Jalen Ramsey, 
who we'll know has gotten into some kerfuffles beforehand and uh, New York Giants wide receiver Golden Tate got into a fight during the week four game. There's big fines expected to come in, but there's no suspensions expected. So this all stems from the fact that Ramsey was apparently, and this is just kind of what we know secondhand about this. Uh, Ramsey was going out with Tate's sister. He got her pregnant and as soon as she was pregnant, decided to leave her and has taken up with what they are referring to as a, dancer from las vegas which we don't believe means the showgirl kind of dancer (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like tate was asked about this in the pregame and his answers were not uh i don't know how how to say it uh conciliatory um and yeah basically basically they got into a huge fight near the end of this game and then apparently Jalen Ramsey was waiting outside the the Giants locker room (laughs) after the game so I think the blood is pretty bad here and like to be fair if it's your sister and they're getting banged and then they're left for like an exotic dancer you know you could probably get pissed off legitimately so look obviously they were probably exchanging words during the game as well i have no doubt about that ramsey's not known for keeping his mouth shut um and yeah it, it blew up at the end of the game and uh yeah big money i expect both will have to give a fairly big uh, contribution to the nfl uh, but no suspension is expected based on rumors from the like the reports from the the insiders and from joe judge as well the coach so yeah a bit of a storm in a teacup here at the end of the day no, yeah, I think I think the lesson here is that if you're going to impregnate another player's sister, do it on a do it with a team that you're not scheduled to play that year. <laughs> or or do it, do it do it for a player that plays. Like if you're not if you're a wide receiver, it's fine. Another wide receiver, so you're never on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely, those are those are good principles to live by. Yeah. That's okay. our that's our life advice for NFL players for today. So like if you're if you're in one of those games where it depends on what position you are in the division, make sure to drop or gain again to make sure you're not playing the other second place division. <laughs> mate. Just just uh, keep an eye on it, like you know. Yeah. Oh, good. And uh, on lo- on those wise words, we'll move on to look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up, we have Thursday Night Football, Denver at the Jets. This was as terrible as we thought. Roland, give us a quick blow-by-blow, 37-28. to Yeah, this is a game that just had a ton of mistakes, a ton of injuries, flags flying everywhere. Like, Melvin Gordon, like, capped it off with a 43-yard touchdown to finally, like, kick the Jets out of it. Um, he had like a pretty decent game. That that's probably the only player who comes out of this with any, without any, with any credit to their name. Look, Darnold. He, yeah, you said he had that really nice rush, but other than that, he looked spooked all night, and he was sacked six times, including one phantom sack where he kind of just fell over, fell back on his arse. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, so yeah, not a great game for Darnold, and now he's hurt, and they have Joe Flacco in, so we'll be there. And yeah, like the the other the the the, the other quarterback who's now I'm going to mispronounce again even though I specifically remember trying to do this but Ripian Ripian what his name is he was pretty bad three three interceptions yeah he nearly threw the game away in the fourth quarter they were well in charge and then they they kind of got back into it then like he threw a pick six uh he threw in for two interceptions in the fourth quarter just wasn't very good I don't expect that he'll be there very long um once Drew Locke is back in um so yeah for both the like you know it's embarrassing for the Jets. Like this is a team on their third quarterback in Denver, um, you know, injured as much as they are and they can't get this done. And yeah, the sooner Adam Gase is out of there, the better. And, you know, before yeah. Darnold, his career is completely ruined forever. 
And we were promised that if they lost this game, that uh, from several several pundits, yeah. that if it lost this game, he was I, gone. It was denied. It was denied before the game. A number like the day of the game, they were like, no, 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 no. And apparently, he hasn't been fired yet. And but now yeah. that the, the seal has been broken, maybe he's more teams. We'll talk about that later. I think we got a question in from one of the listeners about that. Uh, next up, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, twenty-five to thirty-three. Uh, this is an interesting enough game. Uh, Burrow gets his first win. Mixon finally gets to have a big day. They kind of seem to remember, oh, yes, we've got like a proper top tier running back here. We should just kind of game plan around that because that will probably take some of the pressure off our young quarterback. Uh, he wasn't perfect in it, though. He did make some mistakes. Uh, he had an, a bad interception down in the red zone. Uh, but Mixon, 151 on the ground, two touchdowns. I think he had a lump more uh, through the air as well. Jacksonville offense just looked a bit shaky. Minshew looked his kind of standard 352 touchdowns and interceptions and nearly 100 yards of the ground. Exciting. Very fun to watch. He definitely benefited from having DJ Shark back in the lineup. But their defense allowed nearly 500 yards, a sack, an interception. Like, it was truly, truly awful. And you got to look at this Jacksonville team now, I'm under, like, are you going to be able to actually evaluate your quarterback? Because he seems to be doing okay with terrible surrounding talent. Like, what do you have moving on from this season? Because it's already a lost cause. Yeah, it, it's a situation where, look, I, I like the offense isn't great. I'm not going to say that they have a good or great offense, but I don't think it's the problem here. I think the defense is just so bad that, and this kind of reminds me of maybe a team we had higher expectations of that we'll talk about later on, but it's just so bad. There's just no way that the offense can get this done for them. And yeah, Minshew, like I think Minshew, the problem is that he's kind of in that situation, that Ryan Fitzpatrick zone where we're kind of going, yes, he's fun and he does things like very well when your offense is a bit inconsistent and you don't really have the natural game plan you want to do but is this someone you want to build your entire franchise future around it's still uncertain right now and of course if they're on this trajectory there's a decent chance of a high pick and they might go for someone like trevor lawrence and yeah like you know jacksonville don't have too many fans so even if it starts going bad again i don't think it'll have much of an effect they've had lots of bad seasons but yeah i think that defense is just so bad they need to do something to fix that up and yeah for for cincinnati you know they get their first win that's the major thing but as you say they did it by doing the exact opposite of what they did the first three weeks which is that they ran the ball well and they had a little bit of defense um and that's actually the secret to letting your quarterback win because like look Joe Burrow is looking incredibly exciting I don't think anyone could deny that I know he's your boy Connor and you want to see him do well but he had this is the game where they finally didn't force him to throw it like 50 times 36 yeah. is still a lot 36 throws is still a lot but it's not 50 whatever um, and yeah if they can do have more game scripts like this then I could see Burrow easily uh, guiding them to more wins down the road so yeah, yeah. It, so it's, it's nice to get their, line did his job this time yeah it's a big thing just get he wasn't themselves. Getting murdered. He didn't get eight sacked eight times. Yeah, get themselves <laughs> off the spot and see if they can build on that. No, of course. Yeah. I would I would build the offense around Mixon and then Burrow can kind of over the top over time make Burrow more and more interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Baltimore Washington. You were watching this one, Sean. Thirty-one to seventeen. A bit one-sided, but also to be honest, I'm really surprised Washington managed that much. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a strange game in the sense that the score never really got. They've never really got apart too much in the score, but but the Ravens were always comfortably ahead. Lamar had finally 
um, a good game. I mean, I, I so I have him in two fantasy leagues, so I'm kind of attached to, um, <laughs> very much attached to him, and he's not had a great season so far by the standards that he's set. This was the first game where I've seen him actually break out the the, the plays, the, the exciting runs and the such like uh, um, that he had before. Um, the defense for Baltimore was also was also. Quite um, strong, the sacked uh, Washington three times, held them to less than 60 yards uh, in rushing. Um, yeah, the, the passing game for 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 the football team was not was not terrible. Haskins threw for a lot of yards. They were often chasing games, so they were passing um, a lot. Gibson had a, had a pretty good game. There's just not an awful lot to get excited about this this team. You always felt that the Ravens were were always going to pull away every time. The, the Washington threatened to come close. Uh, the Ravens just pulled away again. So it's good. It was good to see Lamar back on form, but I still think there there are question marks over how good this team actually is, given what we saw last week, where they just were not competitive against the Chiefs at all. Um, so we know they're better than Washington and worse than Kansas City. But that's a we're doing an iterative Why? iterative process. We'll get down there. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Minnesota, Houston, thirty-one to twenty-three. Uh, Minnesota looked a little bit better in this game. They're sort of getting the play action working. Uh, Cook looked unreal. Like he looked properly back to being one of the top two running backs in the league. 130 yards, two touchdowns. Good performance from the past game that was building off that off that run. So Thielen and Jefferson were both over 100 yards. Like we talked a little bit about it earlier. Like Houston just looked like a team that's lost. They've got Watson there, and he does. Like, he gets 300 yards and two touchdowns with what they have with Will Fuller and whatnot. But, like, their run game is terrible. It doesn't really, like, they they got less than 100 yards. Their defense got very little. I hear there's rumors swirling that maybe J.J. Watt is playing injured or something like that, that the snap count was down. But, like... Like this Minnesota team is not good. Like they had, they did a better job this week of actually executing the type of game plan that they want to use. But like, like this is not a good team. Like the Houston Texans should be closer in this game. I'm not surprised that this is the button to the firing of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, like, like if you want to beat Minnesota, it's clear what you have to do: stop the run and attack their secondary. Like their their secondary is incredibly young and it's been shown up. And even in this game where they they did better, I think a lot of that was just due to the fact that like that offense for Houston is just so dysfunctional right now and is relying on Watson to to spin uh, magic every single play. Um, and yeah, like if you wanted to if you want to defeat them, just stop them running. We saw that in the early weeks of this season where they keyed in on Dalvin Cook, kept him bottled up. The last two weeks he's finally got going and the offense suddenly looks magical. But basically, if Kirk Cousins doesn't have the a, the, the legitimate threat of the run game he's shit we know that everyone knows that that's why teams that ha- are above 500 tend to beat them um, and yeah like it, it, it you know that can get you to 8 and 8 10 wins like that's like they've done that in previous seasons but I do think they are a step below particularly in that defense so yeah I don't rate Minnesota that much and I think this is just is the gut check we now to kind of like that the, the ownership needed in Houston to know that their team is actually bad and it wasn't just that they were playing good teams no, yeah, course. I mean this 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 for me is is the the main thing is that the the excuses for Houston are gone now and their coach is gone and um, too um they just the fact that they couldn't even be really competitive in this game um always kind of struggling to to make anything work is very worrying for them um and yeah I really don't know the way forward for them at all. Uh, uh Seattle Miami 31 to 23 same scoreline as the last game. 
Uh, Fitz, tell us a little bit about this, because your guys, it was surprisingly close until the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was kept close, but I think a bit similar to that Baltimore-Washington game. I think the Seattle, the Seattle had it in hand most of the time. You always had that sense that if they needed to, they could get Russell Wilson to step it out of gear. But I think they, they did a little bit of role running in this game. Kind of, They had five yards a clip, so I think that, that showed that they can still do that type of play if they want to. And yeah, this is a game plan we know where it's all big plays. Like Even coming into the second half where it was like one point in it, you know, Miami made a mistake with like less than a minute to go. Russell Wilson throws 50 yards they get a touchdown in, in the second play after that so that's just an indication of what the Seattle offense is like right now and yeah I think Miami like they got into the red zone a lot but then couldn't get it done like I think Fitzmagic had no only had one touchdown and that was at the was in the garbage time uh, on the on with his legs and the rest of the time they were just struggling to get that consistency like they have like Parker Hinks playing a bit hurt but he's still out of 400 yards and they're still trying to find the other weapons that go with him like Gaskin their their, their rookie running back He's okay, um, but like you're looking at Ford, Preston Williams, these guys aren't stepping up. So it's really still the Fitzmagic and Parker show, and that's just not good. Not going to get the job done when you're playing a team like Seattle, which can get a touchdown in less than a minute. And so, it, so it came to be in this game. Like it, it, the game was probably closer than Seattle would have wanted it to be, but they were going across the league. They got the win. They always looked like they could get it done if they needed to. So I think as a Seattle fan, you'd be happy enough with that. Yeah, like would you be thinking that they will start looking at? bringing in Tua at some point now along the lines like I think they've got like one or two more particularly tough games and then they kind of maybe get some soft ones like would we be would we be like kind of circling mid-November for like the Jets game to start bringing him out from then or something like I don't think the problem Jets 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 back Jets followed by by we followed by Jets followed by Bengals I, th- I think that would be more about looking forward. I don't think Fitzmagic is the worst thing on this team, not by a long distance. But yeah, like I think they'll definitely have to consider that as they get further into the season and, and as they fall off from the playoff race. But like, look, I don't think Tua would fix their problems. That's really just about do you want to evaluate him sooner rather than later. Um, I think they're they're fine with Fitzmagic. It's just there's not that much talent around them to actually get them going. No, of course. Uh, Chargers at Tampa Bay, 31-38. to 38. Uh, This is a weird-ish one. Uh, the Chargers were kicking the shit out of them in the first half. Like, we said the halftime is tw- 24 to, four- to 14. It's actually 24-7, to seven, except they're running back. Kelly fumbled on their own, like, four-yard line with 20 seconds left. Uh, Herbert had a good game, 290 yards and three touchdowns. He did have an interception. He did make some rookie mistakes. He threw it to nine players or so, so, like, spreading it around. But their lack of run game was causing problems, as we mentioned beforehand. I think Eckler's injury is probably going to impact that. Tom looked terrible in the first half and then came out slinging it in the second half after throwing a pick six. He had five touchdowns uh, in this game. Like the Ronald Jones, a running back, got it going over 100. and Their defense looked good, but it still was right down to the wire. Like it was still kind of pushing, pushing, pushing right to the end, which was very, impre- very impressive for the Chargers and probably fills them with a lot of hope moving forward. Um, like, Brady played excellently in the second half. Uh, you just got to hope you can get a bit more consistency of this out of them. Uh, as you were saying earlier, they decided to just start hoofing it up and kind of running uh, one player in particular into the ground. Yeah, like Mike Evans, he he was, looked injured from early on. He gave him a little bit of a knock, but he was dragging his leg line to look like every single after every single play, and uh, he'd just be rolled out there again. Because obviously Chris Godwin was out for this game. He's out for a few weeks. So he and OJ Howard got injured late on, and there was a couple of like there was one touchdown where uh, Evans just jumped higher than anyone could possibly defend against, and then he just yeah like like. 
they can probably get away with it against like teams like the Chargers, which will just give the game away because they're the Chargers. But if we're talking about a genuine NFC contender, I'm still not entirely convinced about that. Tom Brady is a great quarterback. You can still see that at times, but he's throwing too many pick sixes, too many interceptions in general. And yeah, I'm not sure that this run of form we saw in the second half is necessarily representative of what they can expect to get. They just look kind of like a, a cobbled together win now outfit. Enough talent to get by for now, but is this someone where is this just really going to be consistent and, and coherent enough when they go up against the best of the NFC? Not my opinion, probably. Okay. Yeah, I just don't think the Bucks, for all their talent, have yet quite figured out how to make this offense click 100%. And to be honest, and I hate to say this because I love the man, Tom Brady is in decline and it is noticeable that he is in decline. And you have to ask yourself how much um, of a season he actually, or how much of a career he has left and if he even could um, have the kind of patent level of a uh, of follow. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, like, like I said, it's a good win for them to keep on keep on trucking. I think they're three and one now. But uh, like Chargers, Chargers probably have more positives to take out of that game at the end of it. I think. Uh, yeah. Nothing else. Uh, New Orleans at Detroit, thirty-five to twenty-nine. I'll just quickly blast through this one. New uh, New Orleans like went down early. Uh, they were down by ten or fourteen points, and then Breeze just decided to come out they decided to run Kamara very hard and Detroit just fell apart like Detroit are want to do uh, as a number one of the one of the listeners was mentioning saying uh, they need to just start trusting themselves more start banging all the all the money they have on their Paddy Power account against the uh, against the Lions the second they get up in any game because that is the way that they have played this entire season uh, yeah Detroit inconsistent. Patricia is going to try and have excuses in place, but they're not there. Their defense is doing nothing. Their offense is stuttering. Like New Orleans weren't great in this game, but they were definitely head and shoulders above this Detroit team that actually didn't play them as close as the as the numbers yeah, would suggest. Just to call out Matt Patricia, and it's like, oh, ha-, like he he came into the press conference after and said, oh, I had to do a lot of stuff when I came to this team. That team under Caldwell was consistently going nine and seven, and you've been running them in the ground for three years. Go fuck yourself, Matt Patricia. Yeah, he has now. He's now got. Is it the longest streak of losses, double yeah. double digit losses in the in NFL history or something? Uh, it's mad. Like it's just it's just terrible. Um, yeah, fire Matt Patricia. Now it's now it's the Patricia versus Gase race, but we will talk about that <laughs> in the uh, in the question section, I believe. Cleveland at Dallas. This was the big one. Well done, Sean, on calling this because uh, we got it wrong. 49 to 38. Uh, Cleveland kicked the living shite out of the Dallas Cowboys, who looked completely lost in the game up until probably end of the third quarter onwards. Yeah. Dak uh, Prescott went super saiyan basically yeah. for a while. So Dak, Dak Prescott is currently on pace to throw for 6,700 <laughs> yards and <laughs> go, what was it, like 4 and 12 on the season. Um, yeah, look, OBJ had a hell of a day, three touchdowns, 150 yards, including like, uh, is it Landry through the pass to him for one of those and everything? Like, they're just, they yeah. just seem to be having fun there. And the running game worked well. Chubb went down, but Hunt was able to step in. Dallas defense wasn't able to do anything. Like, to be honest, at this point, I, I, it's not about the offense. It is just purely about the defense. Because this, it, it, I had flashbacks to that um, Tony Romo Peyton Manning game where everyone tried to blame Manning for it. As I tried to blame Romo for it, and you're like, he scored like 49 or 50 points in that game, but he lost because your defense allowed three or four more points in that. Like, 
you can't be in spots where you're putting your team in a position that the offense has to score more than 50 to win against, let's be honest, look, they played well, but it's still the Cleveland Browns. Like, they're not the most powerhouse offense in the NFL. Come on, Sean. Yeah, Shit, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I, I told you so. This, this Dallas team is a mess, and they really should be 0-4. I mean, I think we need to keep that in mind. That this is a team whose only win this season is, is was a one percenter um, based off an incredibly uh, screwed up onside kick. Um, the de- defense is abysmal, and the problem that this offense is going to face is they are going to have to score 45, 50 points a game just to win games, and you just can't do that. Um, and I also do think the offense, even though they are exciting and put up points, they are error-prone. They do seem to have that Cowboys problem, which the Cowboys had in the Romo era as well, of unfortunate mistakes, handling errors, interceptions, bad reads, always at the wrong time. They always find a way to screw up just when it looks like um, the team is coming together. So, I mean, I still, the Cowboys could easily finish this season with, with five wins. Um, it's looking that way. Um, they've got to find quickly a way to get the defense to, to get the points down on the other side of the ball. I mean, believe the Cleveland hype, you know, we talked about them, or there's a lot Cleveland. of talk about them last year as being the team uh, and they didn't look all that good. I mean, they're still not there yet, but they're three and one and they've got the good offense and they've even got a situation where they can lose someone like Nick Chubb and still have a running game that functions mm. fairly well. So they'll be competitive and they might make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't see them as a genuine contender. I just feel like they're another one of those teams um, like the Vikings the last few years, like those Texan teams under Kubiak, like these, like I, I go on with every single week, it seems like, but the zone blocking scheme <laughs> has an incredibly good floor, especially when you don't want to lean on your quarterback. But when you get come against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs um, that put up the points early on you, where you end up in the Dallas hole, it just does not hold up. And Baker Mayfield, he had a better game, but he still doesn't look anywhere near the draft capital that they put into him, like 165 yards. 65 yards and two touchdowns. That's the type of numbers that Kirk Cousins gets when he's playing well. It's not the the stat line of someone who's who's genuinely carrying your team anymore. Um, and look, OBJ had a really good game here, and I'm sure he had a lot of fun coming back to the NFC East. Um, like he, he probably misses the NFC East, given the NFC AFC North such a pain, pain in the ass. But you know, like I think it's a situation here. A lot of those were big plays, and, and you know that's kind of what OBJ lives on. And yeah, I think. For the Browns, it's all about the run game setting up the rest of their offense. And I think the one nice thing that they had here is that even though Dallas' defense is awful, there wasn't a huge drop-off once Chubb went off. They have Hunt. Ernest Johnson did decent in spot duty. So if they can keep the run game going with the offensive line uh, keeping up its end of the bargain, then yeah, I think they'll definitely be a playoff-type team. But I just don't see them taking that next leap to being able to compete against the Baltimore uh, or a Chiefs type of situation. So, you know, they're decent playoff fodder. Playoff, like wildcard father in my opinion so yeah sure look we'll see like i think i think you're right though like there are there, there's good pieces there sean i kind of like how a lot of them are coming together and i always find like these hype teams that people have it's normally it's a year too early because like last mm. year everyone was like they were the off-season darlings and i was expecting it of them and they weren't great now they've kind of a bit more grown up like i'd like to see it against a defense it's not this dallas defense and we'll see how that happens because they're in the afc north they're going to have to see the Steelers and the Ravens, both with very good defenses multiple times. So uh, we'll see how that plays out for them. Next up, Arizona, Carolina, 21 to 31. Uh, Ronan, just quickly on this, because this was, for what should have been a very exciting game, it was boring as fuck. Yeah, like Carolina kind of just choked this game out. They had like about 
two to one in terms of the clock. And like they, they stifled Arizona on offense. Like the pass game did nothing, only 133 yards. And the Kyler, the Kyler Murray, like we see these flashes with his feet. Obviously this year there's been some spectacular plays, and even in this game he's pretty good. But his his the, the passing game just isn't doing anything. It's so inconsistent. He just doesn't seem to understand or read the game as well as he should because he has he has all the arm talent. You see the throws he can make them. It's just that guy just needs to sit down, do more work. And obviously we know with the pre-draft analysis that maybe that was conservative, but he doesn't love football, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see if he can improve it and disprove those people. But right now, that's probably the worst part of their game alongside their defense, which is just bad. Um, and the, like the running backs aren't helping him, to be fair. But they're, 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 I think they're choosing not to use the running back. I'm not quite sure what's up with that. And look, Carolina, they're, they're not a great team, but they have a game plan. Throw it short, get yards after the catch with Robbie Anderson uh, and Curtis Samuel and sometimes DJ Moore, who's, who's kind of disappeared to be honest and their run game even since CMC's gone out has been fine so to be honest they've won two games without CMC maybe like having a more balanced attack has helped them but overall they don't they still don't strike me as a team that's going to beat them out there maybe that defense over the last couple of weeks you've seen that improve if that defense can like make quick progression with all those young players maybe they can sneak into the playoffs but I don't really see them as anything more than that at the moment no of course uh Buffalo Vegas 30 to 23 uh Buffalo looked inconsistent, but they were able to get the job done here. Allen, three touchdowns, nearly 300 yards. Defense forces Carr off his spot, hit him three times, was sacked. So, you know, they kind of got the job done in a kind of workmanlike way. Carr over 300 yards, two touchdowns with a fumble, two turnovers, and they were just, they just weren't getting it done in the red zone at all. Um, Like the defense, like the defense was okay, but nothing great. Like it was just, just a blur game. Like it would make yeah. me still think that the Ve- like Vegas are probably in the hunt for maybe that seventh seed. And Buffalo at the moment, this is more of a game of get it done rather than show yeah. me anything. Because this this wouldn't fill me full of fear for the for the playoffs. But I also know that it's you have to take these kind of travel across and and just get a couple of shitty wins sometimes just to get there. Yeah, but I think the difference you see is that with Carr, like they they only sacked him three times, which isn't horrible. But you can see that when he's put off his spot, he kind of just he checks down instantly, and it just makes the entire it just condenses the entire offense. And when their run game isn't really getting it done, and Josh Jacobs seems to be playing a little bit hurt, to be honest, and that's really hurting them right now. That that, that offense is just very undynamic. We've seen that over the last few years with Gruden. Like they want to play like a more controlled type of offense, but it can get too stultifying at times, and that just turns it into a bit of a snore fest and then they just can't keep up with teams who have even a spark of more creativity which is what the Buffalo Bills have right now with Allen it wasn't his best game and he actually went out hurt for a little bit in this game but there was a few really impressive throws that you see how his arm velocity uh, throw velocity can really just make a huge difference I'm thinking of that near touchdown by John Brown there wasn't a window open there but the fact that he can just throw that ball with such velocity meant that John Brown was the only one who get to it it was a nice throw to dig I think it's had a pretty good game overall. So I think even though this was probably Allen's worst game uh, against this, this Vegas defense, which is, again, grand, um, I think the fact that he has those big plays in him, the fact that he has a bit more consistency in the other games just kind of gives you the idea that Josh Allen is a genuine, you know, franchise quarterback. That's what they're paying. That's what they'll be paying him for. And I think for Buffalo, the rest of that team is so solid and good and decent that I think, yeah, uh, yeah like, 
against the Chiefs, maybe I'd worry, but I think against the rest of the AFC, I'd definitely give them a fighter's chance at the very least. No, no, I was, I was just going to going to say that, yeah, I think we've, we've seen the ceiling of the Raiders with the, the, the last two defeats, that they're just not as good as, as the best teams in the AFC. On the Buffalo side, I don't know. We really know too much about them yet. For me, the game that I penciled in for the Bills largely because I'm a Pats fan, is November 1st against the Pats. I think that will tell us an awful lot about how good both of those teams actually are. Oh, of course, yeah. It'll be very interesting to see because I think that will be kind of... Uh, there's a two ones going for that for that division and it's interesting to see how they'll match up against each other. Because um, there is all that con- all that constant co- comparison as well that Allen coming out, people said he was like Cam Newton light, but he seems to have kind of evolved his passing a bit differently and stuff. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, next up, we have Indianapolis at Chicago. Oh, God, this game. I forgot about it. 19 to 11. <laughs> Indianapolis makes just about makes it. Uh, Jesus, Chicago like <laughs> Indianapolis was in Chicago. Both had less than three hundred yards. Rivers was under two hundred yards. Foles was like there were like touchdown interception. Like this is these these were two terrible teams. Two teams that should not be three and one, but are because of the schedules. Uh, the only thing that was positive, I think I messaged some of you during this game, said so the only thing that's positive was the chance that we could have had the undefeated four and zero Chicago Bears coming out of this. Like. It's a waste of time. Neither of these teams are going anywhere whatsoever. Uh, Chicago, I think, have a bigger problem in front of them at the moment because they don't know which of their which of their bad quarterbacks are going to perform the best for them at the moment because neither look to be seizing that job. And there's that old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Giants at the Rams, 9-17. Sean, this was a bit of a surprise that the Rams weren't Able to yeah, put this I, away. I just don't know. I mean, the Rams are a lot better than this. The Giants are a pretty terrible team that don't have an awful lot going for them. The Rams on paper have a really good team and have a really good coach, but to somehow they have days like this where they just don't seem to care very much. Um, Goff struggled about 200 yards. Um, the, the offense wasn't really firing at all. It got there in the end. They were let off basically by the fact that the, the Giants didn't really um, do much, that they were relying on field goals, that they couldn't deliver anything more than that. There isn't an awful lot um, in this team. Dan, Daniel Jones threw for less than 200 yards, for example. So the, the Rams win this game because the Giants aren't very good. But honestly, the Rams, you would think, especially given the, the, how good they were two years ago, that they're just, they're just not at the level they should be. Um, and at some point, you do have to point at Sean McVay and ask him why he isn't pulling the, the, the pieces of this team together as well as he should. No, of course. Uh, like we said, like yeah, this is a Giants team that people are kind of walking over, and it's just it does surprise. Even given some of their performance, even two weeks ago, the Rams looked like a much more together unit. Uh, Philly at San Francisco, twenty-five to twenty. Ronan, like two very very injured teams, kind of struggled yeah. against each other. Yeah, like look, this this was an important game, but it was so awful to watch. I don't think we want to spend too much time on it. Like, look, Philly, they got a pick six at the end to kind of snuff out San Francisco's very tenuous comeback. Like Mullins, the the, the backup quarterback for San Francisco, he, his reign as a as a contender to Jimmy G is over. Like that interception was just a killer, and he was. A- 
Jimmy Bethard, um, who threw the pick six later on as well. So, yeah, I think Jimmy G's taking his job back pretty quickly. And then on the other side, you have Carson Wentz, like, working away, like, 240 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Look, I don't think Wentz has turned into an awful quarterback, but he, he has taken a step back, and the rest of the talent around him isn't really doing much, although the defense had a little bit of an upper day. I think the fact that they keep trying to put in their rookie quarterback uh, hurts in a lot is probably an indication that, 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 that Doug Peterson doesn't really really know what he's doing right now that things just aren't working right now and so outside of George Kittle um, for San Francisco there wasn't really much to cheer for either of these teams uh, except the fact that for Philly they didn't have another injury in the game whereas for San Francisco unfortunately that wasn't true they, they lost two players so look these two teams they're both relevant still um, because San Francisco are well coached and Philly are in the NFC East so we'll have to talk about them more but right now they're not very good to watch no, uh, New England, it's Kansas City. The NFC East. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there is currently uh, a wonder about could the NFC East this year produce the lowest win total to ever make the playoffs? Which obviously, with the addition of the seventh playoff position, yeah, would be definitely good. But the, uh, but the, but the, the one now is, it's, could they produce the lowest ever win total to actually win a division and potentially get a home game? You know. Uh, which I think there's a strong chance. Like, uh, there's a there's, there's a number of teams that will very soon have more wins than that division combined. So <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. New England at Kansas City, ten to twenty six. Uh, Kansas City kind of woke up in the third quarter to to put this away, but Mahomes struggled a bit. Two thirty six and two touchdowns with a couple of lucky escapes. Uh, like From the, the refs, team. boo. Yeah. Boo. Um, <laughs> By the way, like just off a couple of the chat groups, I think Ronan, you're on one or two of them as well. Yeah. Like, is there anything saltier than Pats fans now that the Pats don't have Brady anymore? Like, it was just, it was insufferable. I'm glad I wasn't awake for it. Like, I would have actually just gotten mad at a certain point of like, oh, I can't believe all the refs are making these calls for these guys. Oh, God, this is insufferable. We're like, yeah, welcome to the last fucking 20 years, lads. Pop the fuck off. Uh, Camelus New England did a pretty good job, uh, particularly on defense, two sacks and three interceptions. Um, like, look, or sorry, uh, sorry, uh, I'll restart that. The defense kind of made most of Cam not being there with two sacks and three interceptions. Uh, how, how Hoyer made a couple of particularly bad mistakes, forced fumble, sack at the end of the half and stuff. So much so he got benched and Stidham got to put in for a while. The run game worked very well, but but a lot of that yardage came later on in the game. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was an interesting one. Like, Bill Belichick has always seemed to have a good handle on KC on how to shut them down on defense. I think this is the third game where they really just kind of shut us down for an entire half. Uh, it was, I think, the last half minute of the third quarter that we managed to put in a touchdown against them, and then you know able to kind of make make a lot of it. But yeah, it was it was it was a bit of a scrappy game. Like it felt a bit from the Kansas City side that they weren't really prepared. They prepared for the cam situation rather than what they had but it was still it was sloppy they were missing chris jones which obviously hurts but you'd like to have seen them put up a more comprehensive beatdown on a team that was missing their starting quarterback freya from the new england perspective this was an incredibly frustrating game and and it, it almost feels like the one that got away what would have happened had cam been playing because the defense was amazing for three quarters they they were really causing troubles and for the Chiefs' offense, but on the other side of the ball, Hoyer was appalling. Like, he was so bad that by the second quarter, 
Um, they, the, Josh McDaniels was, was running plays designed to keep him away from the ball as much as possible, run heavy, um, short slants. Um, when he did have to pass difficulty, he was passing, he was being told to pass to Edelman. Um, it was like what, so Hoyer is obviously trained in, in the Brady system, but it was like watching a really slow, really shit version of Tom Brady um, um, for, for three quarters. And even the, the big moments where he, he failed spectacularly, like the, 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 the sack at the end of the first half when he thought he had a timeout. The reason the Pats didn't have any time times out at that point was because they had to keep kept having to run run plays because they couldn't trust Hoyer to actually throw the ball um, properly. This game you can you can for three quarters at least you can hang the fact that the Pats didn't win this game on the fact that Brian Hoyer was playing at quarterback. It was just immensely frustrating because I was willing him to do one good thing to get yeah. across the line, but eventually he didn't. And then eventually what always happens with the Chiefs is they went on a run and they got some points and their own defense um, began to, to clamp down a little bit more and that was the end of it. But it's quite possible that if the Pats had been up after three quarters in this game, they might have won. And, and this was a game that they were crying out for um, um, Cam and he was a big loss. Oh yeah, no. Uh, it was certainly. It was one of those. I always wonder, like, would the games play out a bit differently in those spots? Like, would the game flow change and stuff? That if it's more, if it becomes more offensive early on, then does it kind of open up what the teams do a little bit more? But um, I don't know because yeah. it was it was kind of a two quite strongly defensive showings. Uh, I I will say I think we can all agree watching this game though that there's no way in fuck they were actually entering the season thinking that Jared Stidham was going to be the starter, right? No, that was all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I still have a little bit of hope in Stidham. He was better than Hoyer. He, he's rough around the edges, but he's very young. And you, I don't know. I mean, it's the kind of situation where obviously the Pats should have planned the succession a lot better um, than they have to be left in this situation. They did, is, but then is Tom, Brady is like, Tom Brady's like, Jimmy G, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, it, it is, I mean, Belichick is, is, a, is a great GM as, as well as a great coach, but this is is a failure not to have not to be relying on cam who's probably got maybe one or two good seasons in a minute to have no long-term succession plan is 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 an indictment on on um, the paths for all their all the greatness and success and um, that they're left in the situation i mean stidham could be he's better than hoyer if if cam isn't playing next week then they should start stidham i think yeah uh finally atlanta at green bay 16 to 30 this went pretty much exactly as we expected. Rodgers, 327 yards and four touchdowns, destroys them. Went to his tight end, Tanyan, for three touchdowns. Jones got a touchdown. Williams got over 100 all-purpose yards, and the defense got four sacks. Atlanta's offense turned up over 350 yards, but their defense basically non-existent. Uh, they had injuries to Julio, to Gage, to Casey. Like, they were just, they were never in this game at all. Uh, yeah. Cool. Like Green Bay are really good. Atlanta are fine on offense. Like, don't have a defense. Like Green Bay failed to convert like a four, like a fourth and one on the goal line in the first quarter, and they failed that. And you still went, no, they're still gonna beat the shit out of Atlanta, and they did. Like Atlanta's defense just like didn't exist. It was just laughably easy. I think it was like one touchdown to Aaron Jones where he was just completely uncovered, walked in the end zone and kind of looked confused that he was so open as he was <laughs> celebrating. So yeah, like Atlanta, they're a bit of a joke shop right now and Green Bay, yeah, more fun for Rodgers. He's smiling so much, it's really weird after last year, but uh, he's having a great time keeping that Jordan Love out of the, out of the way. And he's talking, he's talking some about his shit at the moment as well. Do you see the quotes from him today? No, no, what do you say? It's like, um, 
a down year for me is a career year for other quarterbacks. <laughs> he's uh he is he is he's feeling himself. He's feeling himself. Um, cool. With that, we'll move over to questions from the listeners. Okay, so this one comes in. Well, I should just do one because we're tight for time. This one comes in from Stephen. He said, okay, now we've seen the first one gone. Who's the next head coach to be fired or are we going to have a new one hired? Um, So who's going to be the first one fired and who's going to be hired? Uh, I think, see, I would like to say that it would be Matt Patricia, but he's not going to be. So I'm going to go with Gase to be the next one fired. It has yeah, to be. like I think Gase is just so bad right now, especially with the like with Sam Darn live for any period of time. It's it's hard to to look beyond them at the moment. Uh, but yeah, Patricia would be the other obvious choice. Like Mike McCarthy, the way they're going might end up on it, but he's been saved with the fact that the NC is so bad, he'll probably still make the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, there's no one else that's really hot seating at the moment, is there? Like everyone else who's bad was expected to be bad. I think. Uh, so the 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 odds have Dan Quinn as, as seconds. Yeah, he. Oh yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Quinn is yeah, he's terrible. But uh, yeah. but they're so slow moving and they do like apparently all the players love him. So I I I don't see them cutting bait too early on him. Yeah. So so yeah, the the, the odds have Gase, Quinn, and Patricia all basically above fifty percent, and everyone else is at much longer odds. So okay, I think Fair that's enough. about right. Yeah, and then do we have any 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 hirings? The thing is, like the hiring ones are hard to call because I think almost anyone who's hired now is just going to be an interim. Like we're not gonna, they'll have a good good chance to show it off. But like I think you're talking about like like I mentioned earlier, Eric Bieniemy and people yeah. like that coming in. I think there there's some link just because of all the New England blood that's been pumped into Houston over the last few years that Josh McDaniels has already been linked with that open Houston job. But yeah, think, like given given how like this New England mini thing with Bill O'Brien went that they might try and go a different fucking direction no no you just have to bring a, a fresh Bill Belichick's disciple every year until it works right. <laughs> like, yeah like look it'll be the usual names going around but yeah I think the enemy is definitely like it, it's, 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 it's embarrassing he didn't get a job last year let's be honest but uh, McDaniels people seem to have some fascination with him but based on his last stint as a head coach you know, the maturity thing might work out, but he could easily just be another Adam Gase, to be honest. Last it as a head coach was the negative four days that he spent as the Colts head coach, right? Well, yes, <laughs> I was more referring to the earlier <laughs> tumultuous Denver era, but yes, that yeah, is also yeah. a bit of a warning sign. Oh, of course, of course. What about we just do a straight swap, Bill O'Brien to the Jets and Adam Gase to the Texans? I don't think that <laughs> solves any problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, actually, yeah, sure. Adam Gates wouldn't like that. So there'd be fucking no players left in Texas for him to run out of there. So, uh, <laughs> so as he could scare off JJ Watt. Yeah, we'll probably save the hired section till kind of probably back end of the season when we start to get a feel for for all the moving parts. But yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be one of those two that are going to go next, uh, unless it's a big surprise at left field. Uh, so we'll go and have a quick look at the games that are upcoming for next week. Okay, guys, we're going to swing through these quickly as we can. We've only got one game that we disagree on, which means we're going to be wrong on a lot of these this week because, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, consensus normally means that we're going to fuck it up somewhere. Uh, first up, Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay at Chicago. Uh, Sean, you've picked this for your game of the week because you... Yeah, hate- it's it's a pretty poor slate. There's an awful lot of lopsided games and, and yeah. no real good games. So I kind of picked this because, I mean, I'm interested in seeing the books... 
um, against. Um, I mean, another. I mean, the, this is the kind of the standard they've been they've been playing a little bit. Teams who are okay, not great. We don't really know how how about the Bears. I mean, the, the expectation is that they're bad, but they are three and one, and we're almost four and zero. So I think this is a good test to see um, just how clicked together this this Buccaneer. Um, offense is um, Brady is I think beginning to know who he has to lean on who he needs to pass to and who he doesn't um, which is good that the number of options that they've had it's good to work um, um, against them I would expect Tampa Bay um, to win here but who knows I mean that the Bears have been surprising people um, this season so they might pull it out but I, I would expect that, that Tampa Bay would take the win here and it'd be a good an interesting look uh, at uh, the, the Buccaneers offense in evolution again no, of course. Uh, next up, Carolina, Atlanta. Uh, I've gone for Atlanta. You guys have gone for Carolina. Look, not bad, excited by these teams. Atlanta offense looks good. It doesn't have a defense. Carolina is bleh. Like, I won't be watching this game. I I just think Atlanta can probably outscore them. And, yeah, like... It's, it's the Falcons, though. Even if they do outscore them, they're going to give them 21 points in the fourth quarter, like... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I scored them no, and still lose. They, that, that's how they, bad they, 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 they've learned what to do now. So like they were getting massive leads and losing, and then last week they just never had the lead. And then they know okay, so what they need to do is just somewhere in between there, they need to let the guys take the lead and then they overtake them. That's all they need to do. Uh, so they figured it out now, um, and they're at yeah. home. And look, I just I I just don't think this Carolina team is that good. Um, no. Buffalo at Tennessee's up next. We've all gone for Buffalo. Uh, These assuming are assuming it happens. <laughs> yeah, this is assuming it happens, but. Uh, yeah, look, Buffalo, these are two good-ish teams. Buffalo, probably the stronger of the two. Uh, Tennessee, probably still in the hunt for the for the postseason, but look, not as good as it did previously. Plus, they made missing players. I was, I was stunned when I was looking this up, and somehow the Tennessee Titans are 3-0. and um, I can't quite figure out how that is, except for the fact that they played three bad teams. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Buffalo are an exciting team who, although inconsistent, look very good. Um, I would expect them to, to take this win. They are two games ahead of the Pats now, so they may be motivated to, to kind of keep that run together for as long as they can to kind of stay ahead of them. This is this is a, this is is an opportunity for the Bills that they haven't had in about 15 years. So um, they should really go for it. The no, second the Bills realize they're two games ahead, they start going, oh, God, what, what's happening? Help. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, Baltimore. We've all gone for Baltimore. Yeah. Like, look, look. I think Cincinnati are 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 finding their way. I think you know they decided running the ball would be nice. They probably won't have as much success against Baltimore in terms of running the ball, and they'll be back to Burrow passing a lot. And look, Baltimore, like, look, they haven't been quite where they were last year. But I think Lamar, he got running last week. I think Cincinnati's defense isn't very good. He can do that again, and he can get back to that kind of dominant performances that we kind of saw. I think Baltimore are more than good enough to put away the the lesser lights of the league. And Cincinnati, while they have a lot of hope going forward, are still one of those. So expect Burrow to to get a lot of sacks and Lamar to get a lot of yards on his with his legs, and for this to be a pretty comprehensive win overall. Yeah, yeah. Arizona's the Jets. We've all gone for Arizona. Uh, look, some of the sheen's off Arizona, but the Jets are terrible. Gase is in yeah. charge, and their starting quarterback might not even be playing. So, like, <laughs> that's all we need to say about it. Vegas at Kansas City is my pick of the week because, as Sean mentioned, it's not a great slate of games this week. Uh, look, want to see if Kansas City get back on track. In-division games tend to be pretty good. 
the Raiders have a couple of nice pieces that I think they maybe weren't firing properly the last little while, but I think they're going to be amped up to play us. They seem to be designing a lot of their stuff around how to beat in the division. So I think it could be fun. I still like see if the running back is playing well, Jacobs, because he is good when he's not injured. They've got a good wide receiver too. They've got a good tight end. Like they've got a pretty good line. Uh, it'll be fun to see kind of what our pass rush looks like against them as well, because they have had a pretty good performance out of that line. So look, like I said, not a great slate of games. This one I'll definitely be watching. So uh, my pick of the week, just enjoy watching Pat Mahomes do Pat Mahomes things. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, Sean Philly at Pittsburgh. We've all gone yeah, to Pittsburgh. So the, the Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Derby. They'll be uh, closing down the coal mines and the IT hubs <laughs> and gathering around the, the TV to, to watch this one um, for the bragging rights for the next four years. Um, I think the Steelers are a better team. I think they've got more talent on paper and in execution. The Eagles just don't seem to have very much about them at all. And what they should have about them doesn't seem to be executing. So for me, um, it's a Steelers win. Um, but, I mean, you know, the Eagles could have a good game, but I would expect that, that, that the Steelers would win that one. Yeah, 100%. Um, Jacksonville at Houston. This is a weird one. We've all gone for Houston. But, uh, yeah, like... It's hard to tell. Houston are 0-4. Uh, Jacksonville are fun at times. They don't have a defense. Um, but, yeah, it's just... The uh, thing is, it's, Houston are at home. They've got the new head coach in place. Like, Do we do we see them turning it around in a week? No. But like, I just see the Jaguars are just really bad. And, um, yeah. I, the Texans, yeah. I mean, we forget the Texans were talked about as a playoff team at the start of the year. You've got to imagine that there's enough in that team that they can beat the Jags at home. Yeah, it's that defense. It's so bad. I think, you know, maybe David Johnson can have a decent game um, and then Deshaun Watson won't have to do everything himself. Um, but, yeah, it's a situation where I don't think anyone really wants to, to, see, these, to see either of these teams play at the moment. But, look, Sometimes teams get in like a nice post-coach firing bump. We'll see how they do. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, so we got Rams at Washington. Uh, we've all gone for the Rams, even though as as Ronan, you, I'm sorry, as Sean was saying beforehand, it was a bit underwhelming from them last week. Yeah, but like the Washington just don't have much of an offense. I think with Aaron Donald there. There's a cap on how much the quarterback and the running back should do. And I think, like, look, the Rams struggled through that game against the Giants, but you never really felt that they were in fully in danger um, and that they got out at the end. And, yeah, I, I think especially after last week, maybe they'll be more motivated to, to put something more impressive together and show that they deserve to be considered among the NFC's leaders at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Giants are heading all the way over to Dallas to play the playoff relevant boys both playoff relevant at the moment um so Sean how 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 bad do you think the Dallas team are like can they handle the Giants if the Cowboys can't beat the Giants then Mike McCarthy should just just walk out not even wait to be fired he should just walk out um surely surely the Cowboys there's enough in that offense to win and the Giants aren't enough of a threat in the defense. Knowing that, the Cowboys will still ship about 35 points, so it could be high scoring. Um, if you're into that, if you're into bad teams um, scoring lots of points, then this is a game for you. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Denver at New England. Uh, Denver, have, are they still on the third string quarterback this week? Uh, I think they hope they get locked back, but yeah. it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the Patriots defense should win this all on their own we may not even need an offense for this game 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't. Brave words, that. brave words. <laughs> Time for some wildcat with Damien Harris. <laughs> or James White, wildcat, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Pats D hasn't been looking great this year, but against the Chiefs, they were they're back to their old selves. So, I, I mean, I, I would think, given the Broncos have nothing about them, the, the Pats should be running away with this uncomfortably enough, even with Hoyer or please Stidham or really please Cam um, under center. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I think Denver, the thing we always forget is that Denver were very highly touted coming in. They played well at the very start of the season until the injury started to hit them. Like The problem is that they're going cross-country in the wrong direction to play in Foxborough. Like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big ask, particularly, like you say, how that New England team have been playing on defense. So, uh, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be quite so cavalier as the, <laughs> so what do we even need an offense for? La, la, la. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, fuck it, now I kind of want Denver to win that game, and I don't like our traditional <laughs> rivals. Um, Fitz, the, your pick of the week is up next, Indianapolis at Cleveland. Yeah, so you got the the two three and one teams looking to to establish which one of these deserves to be uh, at the top of the near the top of the AFC and like look look like yes Cleveland are a more fun team obviously they've scored over thirty points in their last three games they look like they finally put something together but as I as I say every week and I've already said this very podcast that offense if you can stop the run Baker Mayfield looks like he think he can be exposed he doesn't look accurate he doesn't look in control even his technique in terms of how he drops into the pocket uh, it just looks very slow doesn't look where it needs to be to to get this job done so indianapolis we know they have a good defense uh, they traded for buckner in the offseason they have darius leonard uh, if he plays he has a bit of an injury and i think they can have the type of defense that can stuff up that run game stop um hunt and uh, whoever else they're under johnson or whoever else they have and keep them controlled and then put the game in baker mayfield and the Colts have been pretty good at doing that so far this season that's how they've got the three and one so i think the problem for this game is that the better the Colts, the better the Colts do the worse this game is so i think all of us have kind of gone out of cleveland because we were all cleveland we're like yes come on cleveland you can do it but there is a genuine good chance here i think that the colts can basically choke them out force it on mayfield and get this win um i'm gonna pick me leaving because i want them to win but well i hate indianapolis have that thing and yeah for cleveland i said that, that that is their game plan they need to run the ball that is should be their number one emphasis they should mix it up they should keep the colts on their back foot and if they could do that if the colts have to rely on rivers to put up points i think we've seen that rivers isn't that completely useless at the moment, but he's certainly nowhere near being where, where he was at his peak. And they, and as long as they can keep the run game of them fairly stultified, I can I can see the Colts being unable to put up a lot of points. So for Cleveland, if they can put up above 30 points again, they'll definitely win. But I wouldn't discount the ability of the Colts to, to shut down that run game and make this hard for Cleveland. But well, go on. I'm gonna believe anyway, even even if it's, even if I'm kind of convincing myself, Colts probably four and one Browns. Exactly, wow, like. So some things are worth picking just because they're right, even if you don't necessarily believe it will happen. Yeah, yeah. No, we're all with you there on the Cleveland. I think Miami at San Francisco. Ah, look, we're all oh, at San Francisco. God. Like, mm. I'd avoid this game because it's going to be a lot of injured crap going on. But like, San Francisco at home, they're good enough to game plan. I'm surprised at the result last week. Yes, but like, look, I'd still take them, and I'll still take their coaching, and I'll still take most of their roster over it. They uh, they got rid of Sanu, I believe, this week as well, which says that they're probably happy and possibly have a returning wide receiver or two on the horizon. So uh, 
yeah, look, San Francisco, Miami are fun, but yeah, they're just not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I think Minnesota, Minnesota, Seattle. Uh, yeah. we, we're all going for your boys because none of us trust Minnesota, and we've learned over the last couple of years, no team over 500. And yeah. Seattle are a team over 500. Look, it's Sunday night football. Seattle are great in prime time. They generally tend to kick ass and take names. They have Russell Wilson. He's throwing a lot, and the secondary for Minnesota is bad. Um, so even in previous years, where like you'd be like, oh Minnesota, this is a good front. They can probably stop the run. Not really relevant this year. I expect that DK Metcalf and Tyler Locker will have a, a ton of yards. And so then the big question for whether this will be close at all is whether the Minnesota Minnesota flash of offense we've seen over the last two weeks is genuine, uh, like a genuine move forward for them, or if it's a bit of a flash in the pan. Now, I think Seattle's defense has, has not been great so far by, by any stretch of the imagination. They'll certainly hope to get Jamal Adams back for this game. Um, but I, I think for them, they have been pretty good against the run, and I think that's essential to stopping Minnesota. So if they if their run defense with Puna Ford uh, uh, can and the rest of the defensive line can get the job done, keep Cook to less than 100 yards, this should be a pretty easy game. But if Minnesota can do what they've done uh, this week, then it could be more interesting. But I think Seattle are just a much better team right now, so they should be able to get it done. But uh, I would discount Minnesota completely at this moment. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Chargers at New Orleans, I'm kind of guessing that, like, I've gone for New Orleans, look, they're at home, they're expected to get Thomas back, they were able to work their way through it in the last week or so, the Chargers, like, it'll be it'll be a closer game than maybe we would have thought going into the season, because I think they have found something with the rookie, I think they're looking a bit more exciting on offense, and I do think the New Orleans defense isn't as good as we were expecting it to be this year, but I find it hard to see past with Thomas back at home when they've got their running game going as well that like it's just it's it's a hard one to see it even though obviously the Superdome doesn't provide the same amount of a home field advantage as it would have in previous years yeah I think there's two teams that we're not quite sure where they are right now obviously they're both dealing with a few injuries like Thomas has hoped to be back for for the uh, Saints and I think for if they get Thomas back and they could put up on a big show at home and show that they're back to being the Saints we expect because obviously Kamara has been doing a huge amount so if Thomas is back to where they need to be they should have more than enough to get this game done um, that would be really important obviously with Tampa Bay having the one game advantage over them right now um, I think for the Chargers look they have Herbert in there they're kind of exploring things like maybe they're moving a bit more towards the future they're not really I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender this year but I think we've seen enough for them that they can certainly make trouble for pretty much any team in the league on their day. And I think for New Orleans, this will be a major test for, for where they actually are. Because I think, yeah, both these teams, they both feel like they could definitely make the playoffs. But obviously, we can have different expectations of what, what their peak can be. And for New Orleans, they're in win-now mode. So if they lose this game, then you know major questions are going to be asked around our organization for the rest of the season. Oh, we just got a tiny touch of breaking news just for the tail end of it. So Broncos are giving defensive tackle Mike Purcell a three-year extension worth uh, just shy of $15 million with about half of that guaranteed. He's kind of worked well for them on the... uh, Like, since they've kind of... This season, he's just played pretty good. Their run defense has kind of... You've been using him a lot. So it's it's pretty like pretty decent money for the guy. I think uh, it's all right. Yeah, but that you know that's all about the few next few years, you know. So yeah, good luck yeah. to them. <laughs> Best of luck. Now you see, now you see, Sean. You said we might not even need an offense. Uh, they've they've extended a defensive tackle. That I kind of <laughs> vaguely remember is okay as a run stuffer. Uh, <laughs> are you afraid? I'm quaking now? in my boots. <laughs> no, that'll 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 do us for this week. Any crack with yourselves for the weekend, boys? 
Um, well, I'll be I'll be watching the games four and five and possibly six of the NBA Finals. Um, ah, very good. Is, uh, the Lakers are supposed to be crushing, but um, the last game, Jimmy Butler single-handedly dragged the Heat. So it's it's an interesting story. No one works harder than Jimmy Butler. <laughs> true, it's true. He will tell you that himself. He's uh, uh, he's a second cousin of yours, isn't he? <laughs> yes, oh, I'm, yeah, claiming, I'm claiming I'm claiming a connection, definitely. Um, good old Jimmy of, of the of the Athlone Butlers, yeah. Um, um, no, I, I I I would expect the Lakers to win, but it is interesting um, to watch it be competitive because it looked after the first two games it looked like it might be a, a four game. Um, sweep, but now could go to six games, so I'll be looking out for that. Exciting. What about yourself, Fitz? Uh, I was hoping, like, at some point uh, in the next week or so to, to take a holiday, but obviously that's all at the table because I can't leave Cork, so yeah, uh, <laughs> probably just watching the sport uh, as well. Uh, you know, I think Ireland are playing this week, so uh, something to keep an eye on there, but other than that, staying safe, staying socially distanced, and wearing the old mask when needed. Ah, that's it, that's it, yeah. I think we're we're fairly similar here, just chilling in, gonna watch the watch the football and yeah, I started I started getting out back running a little bit, uh, and I remember there's a very fun app called Run Zombies Run that superimposes a storyline of being chased by zombies onto your playlist while you're while you're running about, which is uh, they've also they've since I used it last they've added a feature with like look look whenever we say turn around don't don't be changing your direction and don't be changing your speed because we tell you which screams to me that a couple of people have sued them after running out into traffic while following the instructions <laughs> oh you gotta know that's gonna happen yeah oh yeah 100 percent. but no uh apart from that yeah stay safe stay socially distant wear your mask don't be a cunt all that kind of stuff uh so for now it's bye from myself bye from Ronan. bye bye from sean Bye-bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.